when you get vetted by Congress, they say, now you've got to start listening to help me with it. <laughs> they must. <laughs> it's amazing how many times they say things right after we do. It's got to be yeah. something to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I certainly isn't that we have an inside. you're listening to the help me with hippa podcast where hippa and humor collide to make learning fun your delightful hosts are donna grindle and david sims relax hippa help is on the way welcome to the help me with hippa podcast my name is david sims of hippa for msps and joining me is donna grindle of cardin compliance.com what's going on donna (laughs) oh well you know, we're leading into the weekend. I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know, try yeah. not to yawn anymore and make you crazy. Yeah, I know. You, you're good at making me crazy regardless of what you do. Hey. Hey. Hello, kettle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm uh, running crazy today, preparing for a vacation, which as a business owner, you know, vacations are a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. They hurt you both ways. <laughs> yeah. Cost you coming and going. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, usually I get about halfway through the vacation, then I realize, oh gosh, when I get back, <laughs> I've got a lot of work waiting on me. <laughs> yeah. Bada boom, bada bang. And with you going far away, where you're not going to have constant internet access that you'll be willing to pay for because I know how cheap you are. Yeah, I'm not cheap. <laughs> but I'm you frugal. are easy. I'm frugal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be off the grid. Kind of looking forward to that part of it, but you know, I, I have come to learn that the factor I use is for every day you're not in the office is two days that it takes you to catch up. Yeah, I agree. So, so I'm looking at ten days worth of work when I get back just yeah. to catch up. So I'll make sure I hit you the day you come back with a boatload of crap. That'll I'm sure you awesome. will. I'm sure you will. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. So, but have a fun uh, time, David. We'll all think about you. I will. Don't want to, don't I, want to I hear about to. you on the news. Uh, I'm, I actually plan to. I have. I actually have an itinerary of um, HIPAA podcast to listen to because I have to do my uh, workforce training for myself and my staff. This <laughs> this will be a business trip. There you go. Got to <laughs> do my, it. I have my itinerary down. Hey, I always believe that uh, you know it's it's we're coming into a holiday weekend and people. Uh, gonna be in the car, so you should be listening to podcasts, uh, particularly mm-hmm. the Help Me with HIPAA one. After that, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I will be doing it, and I'll be uh, it'll be fun stuff. So, all right. Speaking of you running your mouth, what uh, what else <laughs> you got coming up? <laughs> Where else will you be running your mouth at in the near future? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's so many things I like to say to you when we're not recording an episode. <laughs> Well, I just finished my uh, first workshop with formatapproved.com, and that I thought was was pretty cool. Uh, I liked it, and I think we're going to do some more. So watch for those uh, coming up in the near future, and I'll do better on plugging them. Then the other thing, in June, June 21st, I'm going to Valdosta, Georgia. I love being down there on the Georgia-Florida line. (laughs) <laughs> Things happen down there. Uh, the Atlanta Association of Legal Administrators, July 19th. That one's been on the books for a while, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's the challenge of these people don't know anything about cybersecurity, HIPAA, nothing. But they mm-hmm. are attorneys, so they do know about confidentiality and privacy. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, North Metro MGMA, that's up in Kennesaw, Georgia. And then the Georgia Association of Orthopedic Executives is in November. So I hit October in Kennesaw. November, I get to go to Callaway Gardens with their annual meeting. So I still have some time to have some fun. That's awesome. awesome. And I will be in Washington, D.C., speaking at the Unconvention for you IT folks. Uh, that will be in uh, September. So don't ask me the uh, exact dates. I don't have them in front of me. <laughs> As always, you're When not it gets ready. closer, I'll know. Okay. Because it's not a convention. Yeah, it's an unconvention. That's right. It's an unconvention, so you're good to go. All right. So for but, today. For today, we are going to... Um, we're going to look at some disclosures. <laughs> I know, really? <laughs> and not the ones that you give me before we hit record. But <laughs> um, <laughs> So the, May's been interesting. We've had uh, a couple of things happen in May, and we're not even done yet. But we had some OCR settlements come up, and we love to dissect the settlements. And we had a couple of very interesting ones. The, the key thing, and we have two of them we're going to cover, and both of them together is only three people. <laughs> I know. That was that's the part. The, these are outside the norm of everything else we normally get to talk about when we do these resolution agreements. You know, it's something technical has happened, and this is all privacy rule violations, no security rule violations. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and say it now. <laughs> this is internal problems that could have been corrected. <laughs> yeah, this very is, easily. It's the people, people training, training, training. <laughs> well, at least some bit of stopping and thinking about what you're doing and being sure about it. So, so the first one, uh, Memorial Herman Health System, MHHS, in the big old state of Texas. In Texas. And uh, you'll understand why things have to be bigger in Texas in just a moment. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. So there's theirs is $2.4 million plus a cap. So both of these have a cap. It's very rare that there's not some sort of corrective action plan on there. And those corrective action plans, to me, are the ones that are harder to do. You know, people, oh, I can write a check, but I'm also going to go on a corrective action plan. Wow. I'll just write yeah, a check. I think it'll be yeah. all up in your business. Yeah. So we've already so, had one group in Texas that said, I'll just write a check. I'm not going to go on a corrective <laughs> action plan. So how long is the corrective action plan on this one? This one is two years. Okay. So for $2.4 million, it had to be thousands of patients, right? No. One. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> one patient. And that's kind of wow. Kind of freaked everybody out um, how it could be so high for one patient. But remember, that's, they can go up to, you know, $1.5 million per violation per year. So, you know. I guess this, well, when you hear it, it's kind of like, did anybody even stop and think at all? Or (laughs) was it, you know, it is Texas, so sometimes they're like, we're the great state of Texas. (laughs) Watch out, now you're going to make our Texans mad. (laughs) (laughs) You said I make the Chinese mad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're not mad. It's not what I'm worried about. But... uh, (laughs) 
In Texas, everybody knows everything's bigger. My cousin lives in Texas. Everybody's everything's bigger in Texas, just like you said. So you got a bigger attitude. You got you know everything is is big. It's just the way they look at it there. And uh, from years ago when I was in Texas, I am a crazy driver. Sometimes they can be crazy <laughs> drivers because uh, you know it's like, well, I'm out on the ranch. No, you're on a street. <laughs> I grew up driving out there. But anyway, the interesting thing that took place here is, it, well, you know, first of all, let's, let's just say we, we don't know the people. We haven't talked to them. So a lot of what we're doing is like everybody else. We're trying to read between the lines and know what this is telling us. We are Monday morning quarterbacks. Well, actually, I guess Friday morning quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So the story is, and here is, it just... It all started. <laughs> I was born. Okay, so uh, the October 2015. So it is interesting to see that we're now having multiple settlements this year relating to 2014, 2015. Yeah. So more current stuff. And that is showing us, you know, they're really getting into the ones where this became big news and people started paying more attention. And I think that's why we're going to see more that look like this uh, than the ones we have been seeing where it's just, you know, careless security in most cases, not all of the previous ones. Mm -hmm. But HHS initiated this compliance review because of multiple media reports saying that MHHS had disclosed patients' PHI to the media and various public officials without patient authorization. So they're just seeing it in the news. And somebody goes, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> so know that. They read the news is all I'm saying. They read yeah. the news. So nobody whistleblowed. No, it, it doesn't, no, no hacking event. This is... Mm. It somebody says was, based on multiple media reports. So they read the news. Somebody was like looking at their phone and like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we need to go look at them. <laughs> so what had happened was in September, they had a patient come into one of their clinics mm -hmm. who presented an alleged, allegedly, I'm making sure OCR is like, look, we're not into the actual crime that we're going to talk about here. They allegedly presented a fake ID to the office staff because, you know, they get a copy of all your stuff. And mm -hmm. so the staff said, hey, this is a fake ID. And yeah. they alerted authorities and the patient was arrested. Good job for the staff. Okay. But they still <laughs> had a patient. And OCR says, nothing wrong with that. They're violating the law. You are allowed to... Share with law enforcement patient information, only what is directly related to the crime that you are reporting. But then later that day. <laughs> yeah, but we can't just let it go because everything's bigger. <laughs> and uh, so then the health system published a press release about the incident. And in the press release, the title of the press release had the patient's name in it. <laughs> The, the real patient or the fake patient? Well, it was a fake ID. It was their real name, but the real, uh, yeah, uh, the ID, uh, you know, it's kind of like the one you use <laughs> to get into the club. 
I've never uh, done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they published that patient's name and the title of a press release beating their chest about how they stopped the this patient from using a fake ID, I guess. I. But here's the kicker. Senior management approved it. Mm. So that's the part, you know, often it's just, hey, somebody that didn't know any better went off and did this. Senior management approved this press release. Mm-hmm. So at that point, there's all this stuff going on, and it's, you know, who said that was okay? <laughs> did that go through the compliance officer? No. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not, or maybe it did. You know, maybe it did. You you hear about compliance officers saying, I, I've got to quit. I have to quit my job. Not because I don't love my job, not because I don't believe in what I'm doing, not because I am now retired or <laughs> independently wealthy. It's I can't work in this environment and do my job ethically. Yeah. Well, we hear that even at the small practice level mm-hmm. um, where somebody will say, I'm supposed to be the compliance officer, but I can't get you know anybody to cooperate from you know, even if a one doctor practice, they're not wanting to to get on board and we're supposed to be doing all these things and I'm stressed out. I don't want to go to jail over some of this stuff. I know. It makes it, it makes it tough. No matter how you look at it, it makes it tough. So what they did, so, so that's kind of the, basically what the general facts are that, took us down this path. So then they do their investigation, and these are the findings from their investigation. All right. So from September 15th, 2015 to October 1st, 2015, they knowingly and intentionally Mm -hmm. failed to safeguard the PHI in its possession. So we made a decision not to protect this, even though the law said we should. Then... From September 15th to September 19th, so from the time that, you know, it occurred, because uh, it, it happened, in, I guess, around the 15th, and from the time it occurred, they uh, basically threw, I don't know, threw a party? <laughs> <laughs> they disclosed the uh, information through press releases to 15 media outlets and or reporters. Wow. So, I mean, they were pushing this, trying to really get it out there, seeing it as a big moment for them, clearly. 15? 15. It's not like they just rolled it out on PR, you know, the, you know, PR release stuff, (laughs) PR news or whatever. No, (laughs) they went to the outlets and said, we want you to tell this story. I wonder what the underlying reason for that was. Well... Taking it even further, senior leaders further disclosed the patient's PHI during three meetings on September 17th, 21st, and 25th with an advocacy group, state representatives, a state senator. <laughs> so clearly, this is a big deal. <laughs> I know. I know. They're, they're like here and they take it in and they just lay out all this information. So clearly, it, there's an advocacy group involved. There's politicians involved. This wasn't just, you know, there was a political drive behind this. And it's related to senior leaders, so I don't know. But clearly, if you are bringing in three different meetings with an advocacy group, a state representative, and a state senator, and revealing PHI 
about a fake ID, something's up. Now, I don't know who the patient was because I don't want to dig into the PHI. Yeah. I don't have any reason to go look that up. And, you know, it could have been a political thing. I, who knows? But the bottom line. That's a lot of patting yourself on the back. I, I know. There's, <laughs> there, you know, there's, there's a political response involved in this, clearly. Otherwise, you wouldn't have advocacy groups and politicians involved. So I don't know what the deal is. It could be whoever the person was that was doing it. We don't know. Bottom line is they came in and they showed a fake ID to get treatment, and then it got plastered all over the news with the headline being their name. And as if that wasn't enough. Yeah. and and <laughs> They put it on the website. Oh, yeah. Then <laughs> from September 15th, when they first did it, they put it out on their website, and they're blasting it out there for the whole world to see. And then those findings are all things they did wrong. So you've got September 15th to October 1st, so what, 16 days, 17 days, let's call it. September 15th to September 19th, you you know. And then you've got three other days, and then you've got another 16 days. So you add all those days up. Those are days that violations occurred. And each one of those entries is a violation. So you got, you know, 40, 50 days, and you've got four different violations across those days. And then you have uh, that they failed to timely document sanctioning of its workforce members for the improper disclosure. So basically they're saying, not only did you do all of this, but clearly the senior leadership was in a place where the sanction policy didn't apply to them <laughs> you know so and, and again you know i don't want to get into the politics about it so i'm i'm not even going to try that politics story it's irrelevant what we're talking about here is not the politics of what happened we're talking about the privacy part of what just happened the facts ma'am just yeah. the facts <laughs> that's right the facts only the facts so uh, you know Clearly, it's a political motivated in some way, but we don't know how. Whether it's the advancement of the health system or the people involved, we're not going to talk about that. The bottom line is you still don't have the right, no matter what that motivation may be, you don't have the right to do this. Mm -hmm. If it was a criminal, you still don't have the right to do this. Because, you know, that whole innocent until proven guilty and all, you know, all kinds of other things, that's law enforcement's job. Your job is healthcare. So they came down and they said, oh, nay, nay, you <laughs> are not allowed to do this and put them on a two-year cap and the $2.4 million over this. So, you know, that's a lot of discretionary stuff that mm -hmm. they get to do. So they were able to take those... 50 days and say, look, this was willful neglect. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you truly made a decision to ignore the law. Yep. And then they're required to hit you up for some money by law. They have to if they see that. And I can't see how they would have been able to justify, A, that it wasn't willful neglect, and B, that it was Willful neglect that they realized and then fixed because looks like they didn't fix it till somebody called up and said, "You in trouble." You mm -hmm. know. So anyway, the cap is the two year cap. 
They got 60 days to develop, maintain, revise as necessary written policies and procedures that have a minimum content that's all about acceptable disclosures. And then they get approval from OCR, and then they have a short amount of time to distribute that to the entire workforce, and then they have a set amount of time to make sure there's training of the whole workforce on the policies and procedures, and it's documented that they did all of that. And then during their, you know, they always have that reportable events issue, you know, that Mm -hmm. adds in there. So you got all the stuff you got to do, but then for the rest of the time, you've got to check in with us on your progress of your program. And then there's always these reportable events. And that says during the compliance term, they have to, upon receiving information that any workforce member may have failed to comply with its privacy, security, and breach notification policies and procedures. So now we're saying all of HIPAA safeguards, all of that stuff, if they fail to comply, they may have failed to comply, you must promptly investigate. And if after the review and investigation, you determine that any member of the workforce has failed to comply with your written policies and procedures, you have to notify HHS in writing within 30 days. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. So somebody just does something wrong. So every single time you have to investigate it, and you have to document it and send it to them every time somebody does something wrong. Within 30 days. Within 30 days. Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you got to wonder, you know, what's happening from a management standpoint, because clearly this was happening at a high level in the organization. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens, because all of these resolutions agreements state that if you breach this agreement, then we just go right to the civil money penalty mm-hmm. it's done so who knows what that civil money penalty would have been but then our homeboy roger jumps in <laughs> uh, yeah i know I, he's been I, what was it you said earlier you like the way he comes out and says his statement yeah he's just um I mean, you can him. tell yeah it's like he's cracking the whip i mean it's um you know we got before him it was it was very tactful Right, <laughs> not, that he's, right. not that he's not tactful, but he comes out with an enforcement attitude. Even in the in the quotes that we read, you can tell. Yeah, it's stern. This dude is not going to take this lightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's being stern about it. And all of those people who thought this was going to, oh, nobody really cares about HIPAA. Yeah. So the senior management should have known. Let's, I mean, that's where he starts. His quote just is like, bam. You yeah. should have known you should have known that this better. was wrong. You should have known that it was a clear privacy violation that would induce a swift OCR response. That's what he says. <laughs> so clearly, he's saying, look, if you're doing this stuff out, you know, thumbing your nose publicly even, then we're going to give you a swift response. So that was an important quote <laughs> from the new guy. See, and- we were... We went from the HIPAA police to the HIPAA SWAT team now. <laughs> I know. They, they, you know, they're going to come running out if they need to. And uh, this case reminds us that organizations can readily cooperate with law enforcement without violating HIPAA. They made it clear the initial action is not the problem. Mm-hmm. What the staff did is not the problem. It's what senior management did. Mm-hmm. But it says, but they must 
nevertheless continue to protect patient privacy when making statements to the public and elsewhere. Elsewhere. So not just press releases, but you don't call in advocacy groups and all this other stuff to have meetings about it. So, I don't know. ka Slam a ding dong. We're going to get a cracking whip sound to put on these things when we oh, read them. Oh, there you go. There you go, Bo. <laughs> Throw in a cracking whip thing. <laughs> Whenever we say, Severino says, there we go. We're going to get yeah. that. But uh, it was, I mean, he's being very, very clear. And you're right. You know, previously they were saying, look, we're going to try to get you to do the right thing. And he's taking the approach of, you know what? Should have known. You should have known. <laughs> you should be doing the right thing, and I'm not going to be nice about it anymore. So it, it's pretty uh, interesting to see how much more stern the message is under him. But it is. It's it's stern. Cracking the mm-hmm. whip, like you say. So and that moves us to the big NYC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center. Yeah. This uh, Another interesting one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this one isn't making as much news, but this one is is in some ways more concerning because mm-hmm. this is happening at the staff level. You know, if it's happening at the staff level, then it's systematic. If it's happening at upper management, it's not necessarily systematic. You know what I mean? Yep. This one is, and you don't even really know the name of the place, but St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center has the Institute for Advanced Medicine that used to be called Spencer Cox Center for Health. Okay. So when the violation took place, it was called the Spencer Cox Center for Health. Now it is called the Institute for Advanced Medicine under St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center. Okay. So they can't, they'd be like, that wasn't us. Yeah. (laughs) We aren't that anymore. And, I don't know if that's why they changed their name, but here are the facts, David. Just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. So this was 2014. So again, it's a recent, you know, fairly recent compared to some of the 2012s we've seen. Mm -hmm. And they received a complaint. So neither of these had anything to do with the CE reporting a breach or an audit or any of those kind of things. One, they put themselves in the news, and the other, people filed a complaint. Okay. So keep that in mind. These came against you. You know, they they just showed up at your door. So they received a complaint that PHI was disclosed to the complainant's employer. And Mm -hmm. that's – so here's the kicker. The impermissible disclosure included – Information concerning HIV status, medical care, sexually transmitted diseases, medications, sexual orientation, mental health diagnosis, and physical abuse. I mean, it was everything. Everything. And all of the most sensitive stuff. So you're releasing stuff that is, you know, all medical records are sensitive, and then we add behavioral health and all these others, have a whole nother level of sensitivity. So, so do, do they say anything about why it was faxed to the employer? Well, they did the investigation, and the staff faxed the patient's PHI to the employer rather than sending it as requested to the a personal post office box. 
So okay. for some reason, it was kind of like somebody requests records. Well, we're always going to fax them somewhere. Where should? Oh, well, that's the number we got. Boom, there it goes. I don't know if it was that simple of a mistake, but it was asked to be sent to a personal post office box. So you're using a post office box. You're not even getting it sent to your house. And there, instead, they look at it and say, well, let's fax it to the employer. I don't know. So was it a mistake? I don't know. But then that became an irrelevant discussion because once they started looking into it, they found out that they had a related breach of sensitive information nine months before that. (laughs) And they had done nothing about it. So there's your, there's your systematic problem. <laughs> yeah. In that case, they faxed the patient records to an office where the patient was a volunteer. Mm. So it's just like they look for a fax record and fax, re- you know, somebody says, send these medical records and whatever. And whoever was doing it just went, oh, find me a fax number because that's the only way I know how to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, it didn't go into details, but it's clear they had a problem. And these then look more systematic and and concerning in that way and not arrogance or, you know, beating your chest or anything. This also kind of answers a little bit of the question we get sometimes about, is faxing PHI okay? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, not when you're not (laughs) going to pay attention. I mean, it's huge. Uh, You know, faxing is a huge problem. And uh, I, I, again, but until we have... uh, effective health information exchanges of some sort, whether in their current iteration or another one. That's one of the few ways we can do it securely that everyone has, even though now a lot of that faxing isn't actually secured anymore Mm-mm. because nobody's looking at that. So their findings were they had two patients where they did impermissible disclosures and they failed to reasonably safeguard two patients from intentional or unintentional, so it does say that, disclosures during <laughs> faxing, resulting in an impermissible disclosure of both patients' PHI, and here's key, against their expressed instructions. Oh, wow. <laughs> so these patients had clearly stated, Do not. <laughs> only send my information to here. Don't send it anywhere else. So, not good. Especially, you know, it's one of the things that always worries me is, especially when you get into the sensitive things like sexually transmitted diseases and therapy and behavioral health and all of those kind of things. Because a lot of times, those are the things that are most private to people. And what you tell in therapy, and clearly it included stuff because it talked about physical abuse and all kinds of other things. And so what you say there should be treated not just like PHI, but a little bit higher. And that's why they have some different rules. But wow, is all I can say. Clearly, the staff either was never trained or... Oh, that's how they were trained. <laughs> that's how they were trained. Don't worry about it. You know, that training where it's like whoever started the last, you know, whoever was the last person hired trains the next person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, you're now only going to get what they remembered. And, uh, you know, it's, it's you see it happen, though. It happens a lot. Big organizations and small. But 
it's very concerning that you know you should hold them to a it, uh, the rules should be higher, a higher standard, and, and double checking and triple checking and things. Granted, all PHI should be protected. That's our point in most of what we're talking about here. But when you look at the number of times that people that will withhold things, you know, oh, well, I can't send you this to an emergency room doctor because I don't have an authorization. Patient needs treatment. Patient care comes first. And nothing about this made patient care come first. Because you've clearly violated them in so many ways at this point. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine what may have happened. If you go into the trouble to have a post office box for private information, you're really trying to keep things private. So, I'm so sorry. You know, it's so what's just, your post office box number? <laughs> hey, don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> so what did the cap look like on this one? Well, the cap's three years, so uh, longer, <laughs> and of course, it's the same thing. Written policies and procedure on disclosures, review by the workforce has to happen within, and these were 30 days. They didn't even have 60. They had 30. Complete workforce training, and then here was a very important statement, because we get this question a lot, how long after a employee starts, and you know, a lot of times people say, well, they they're healthcare, so you know they've been in healthcare twenty years. I don't have to worry about training them. And along the way, no one's actually trained them, <laughs> you know, because everybody thinks they don't have to. And the number of times people tell tell us, I mean, I know you've heard it too. Well, I worked in IT at a hospital for ten years, so I know everything there is to know about HIPAA. Yeah, mm. I actually had a guy recently who told me just the opposite that he had worked in high, in hospital IT for probably about the same length of time, ten years, and that. He didn't realize how much he didn't know about HIPAA until he had joined the HIPAA for MSP side. <laughs> so yeah. there's so much more than what you have to worry about. You worry about this tiny little piece. So if you've worked in healthcare forever, but you've never been a compliance officer or on a compliance team or an incident response team or any of those things, no, you don't understand HIPAA. And 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 it's only because you don't have to. You don't have to know all of that other stuff. It's not because, you know, you should and you don't. It's that you don't have to and you haven't needed it. But when you go out on your own, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. You know, now you have to know all of it. So uh, that question of when should somebody be trained when they join the workforce? And so it's clearly answered here. St. Luke shall not provide access to PHI to any member of its workforce if that workforce member has not signed or provided the written or electronic certification of training within three months of distribution of such policies and procedures to the members of its workforce. But in any event, no later than January 31st, 2018. So they're giving them time from now. They've got to do, you know, the three, uh, the 30 days and all of those other things. But three months, you've got to get it in there. Now, a brand new employee, that that three months is people who've already been working there. Yeah, and they're, here's what's interesting is the very first sentence. They shall not provide access to PHI to any member until the training's done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know of anybody that does that. It's usually like, here, PHI, day one, we'll get to the training sometime down the road. Yeah. 
You know, wow. and, well, you know, I I have clients who've turned that around, and and they make sure that they have some sort of here. We want you to sit down and not just give you something to read. You know, we're going to watch a video, we're going to listen to something, or somebody's going to sit with you and go through this. And and it can be effective, and then again, not because we've we've seen people two days into it have a big breach, and you know they were trained two days before. Uh, you've got them signing that they were trained not to do that, yet then they do it. But the important thing that this brings out is, you know, it's 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 a fairly large health system, but they're focused specifically on the center that manages and deals with the HIV and sexually transmitted diseases and, and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So it's still 387000 well, and $200. <laughs> but the three-year cap is probably, yeah. you know, taking a little bit more money off the top. But it did, like they say, look, we're, we're not trying to put you out of business. But at the same time, we have to make it hurt. Because when they say, oh, well, you know, I remember. I remember having these conversations with doctors. What's the biggest fine that I would have to pay if I got caught? $25,000. Oh, I'll just write a check for that then. My insurance will cover it. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't care. So you've got to make it hurt, and that's what they've done differently. And that's where your buddy Roger then, he hits home (laughs) with this one. His statement is pretty spot on. And again, Somehow we accidentally <laughs> covered that topic just a couple of weeks ago, and he stated it, restated it for us very clearly. Individuals cannot trust in a healthcare system that does not appropriately safeguard their most sensitive PHI. We Again, just talked about that. Yeah, he listened to the podcast. Yeah, that, you know, that must be part of, you know, the the when you get vetted by Congress, they say, now you've got to start listening to help me with it. <laughs> they must. <laughs> it's amazing how many times they say things right after we do. It's got to be yeah. something to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I certainly isn't that we have an inside information. <laughs> <laughs> But he goes on to say in his statement, covered entities and business associates have the responsibility under HIPAA to both identify and actually implement, I love that, for all the people with the policies and procedures that you don't even know what they say, Mm -hmm. implement these safeguards. In exercising its enforcement authority, OCR takes into consideration aggravating factors such as the nature and extent of the harm caused by failure to comply with HIPAA requirements. So they're saying, look, if you really screw somebody up, we're taking that into account. Mm -hmm. If there is clearly harm, and in these cases, based on just some of the things you can read between the lines, there was serious harm. Yeah, I'd say so. So, bam, you're you're a big Roger fan, aren't you? I do, man. He's he's my kind of guy. Just cut cut to the chase. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll send him, uh, David is a Roger fanboy t-shirt. <laughs> Stay out of my breeches t-shirt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> With a big picture of David on the back. <laughs> I love Roger. Yeah, crack that whip. Yeah, but it, I mean, they're being clear. So all of you who think that I'm going to do, I'll stroke a check or whatever, you need to get off that because no, <laughs> this guy, he ain't playing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, you're right. Very, very stern messages coming across now. Instead of please do what's right, it's do what's right or I'm coming to get you. Yep. So 
when you have your meeting with Roger, <laughs> you make sure that you tell him appropriately that we appreciate that because, um, you know, we've been trying to spread this message now for a long time. Two years of the podcast and uh, two years before that, I've been dealing with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is you don't have to like read between the lines. I mean, he pretty much puts it out there. True that. True that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, well, this is what he meant. <laughs> like so what they're saying from- here is, <laughs> no, it's pretty clear. Uh, yeah. You cannot stuff. trust a healthcare system. So we just said, are we reaching a crisis of trust? He's seeing it too. Mm-hmm. So we can't let the the first one is Texas deal is so that's two out of Texas where they've just thumbed their nose at the requirement essentially and that that's concerning and but I think these both of these uh, uh, resolutions uh, could potentially make a difference in that yep it's changing the message I mean it's, it's definitely different than some of the other ones we looked at and that's one reason we love going through these resolutions is because you know, you you go in there and you look at what happened and how it happened and it gives you something to go back and say, okay, let me look at my practice or my business and let's see, would we have these same issues? You know, do we have upper management with their, I'll leave that out. Uh, do we have upper management that's not doing the right thing? and Or do we have people that don't understand how to use certain technology to send stuff or, or you know, read through documentation to make sure we're not doing what the patient says don't do? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to uh, releasing the information. So it definitely gives you something to go back and, and, and kind of look at, and hopefully you don't become part of our episode in the future because you, you were diligent. Yes. Well, and, uh, you know, if you ever do, uh, you want to be interviewed, bring it on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you because we want to know too. <laughs> uh, so, but David, have a great trip. I will. Because you a trip, brother. I is. <laughs> Well, you know, when this is published, you'll be coming back into the country. So, if they let uh, me back in, <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's word that uh, your name's on a poster that says yeah. "bad hombre." <laughs> there, there's a reason why I didn't tell anybody where I'm going out of or coming back into. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, I don't even know. But, yeah. Does your wife know? She's going uh, with she'll you. Be she, a, she'll be. It's sleeping a need to way. know basis. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're right. All right, well, have a great time. Enjoy your time with your family. I shall. I know that's what this is all about. Yep, it is. Well, that's our podcast for today, folks. We thank you for listening, as always. Uh, You can always share us out on any social media outlet. There's so many of them out there now. Pick one. You can review us on (laughs) iTunes. We always appreciate that. Uh, That's slowed down a little bit, so we do like to still see those. Don't forget about it. Please, please. David needs to beg again. Please. Well, we have had a lot of people hitting us up on, uh, you know, liking the page on Facebook and stuff like that, so I appreciate that. Twitter and all this other stuff. Yeah. So anytime we see that, man, it's like, you know, I do a little happy dance. I might put a video up one of these days. But uh, (laughs) Oh, now we got to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, show us some love. We like it. We love it. We want some more of it. Visit us on our website, helpmewithhippa.com, and uh, everything's there except for Donna. She's rarely there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also send us a question right there on the uh, website, and we may feature it in a future podcast. So remember, for Donna and myself and Big Raj, HIPAA's not about compliance. It's about patient care. You've been listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast, hosted by Donna Grendel and David Sims, the show created to help you with HIPAA. 
For more information or to ask us a question, visit our website at helpmewithhipaa.com. Neither Donna Grendel or David Sims are attorneys, and they do not offer binding legal advice concerning regulatory compliance. The information in this podcast should not be relied upon or construed as legal advice in any way. Consult your attorney for legal advice concerning compliance with HIPAA regulations.